All right, you have stumbled on episode number 0001, right? It's, I started counting at zero because I'm an electrical engineer, whatever. Anyways, um, so welcome to this episode of Locked in My Office. I'm your host, Dr. Shane Overware. In this episode, I talked to one of my students, Jack Furman. Um, and in this conversation, uh, we, we touch on all sorts of things like um, something uh, that's really common for students at Michigan Tech is uh, being in a distant relationship. And so what that's like and some of the hardships um, to things like being so stressed that you get heart problems and um, being so stressed that you don't even realize that you're stressed. Um, so it's a very interesting conversation, and um, I'm really, really thankful to have you listening to this um, second episode, and I hope you enjoy. All right. <laughs> we had a false start, but this is, this is take two of the second episode of Locked Inside My Office. Currently locked inside my office with Jack Furman. Um, and before I introduce you, right, I got to say three things just to get them out of the way. Um, one is you're not protected from any self, self-incrimination, so if you say something, you could get expelled. Um, uh, two is uh, if you're in any sort of danger, I, I don't think I'm like mandated yet, but I'm going to tell somebody about it. Sure. Um, and then three, uh, anything that we say does not necessarily reflect the views of the university. So now I've covered my butt. Um, so Jack Furman, you're in my microcontrollers class. You sit like the third row back and the left consistently. Um, why do you do that? I don't know. I used to sit far in the back because I was in your digital logic class. Um, and, you know, I used to sit in the way back and I just couldn't pay attention back there. And then my eyes kind of deteriorated. So now I'm sitting up close. So you I don't have glasses read. on. Do you? No. It, are you like, I, I had, I had a, a high school teacher um, who I'm very good friends with that, for the longest time, like up into like almost like his like fifties, like push back against getting glasses just because he thought it might make people think he was old or something. <laughs> Do you have that thing or no. it's not that bad yet? So my eyes aren't that bad yet. I didn't have health insurance for a while, uh-huh. so I couldn't, I didn't want to pay for glasses. It was yeah, more yeah. of, I just didn't want to pay for them. Gotcha. Now I just sit closer. You know, gotcha. No need to pay for it if I can still cool. see somewhat. So, so um, and now, I, one of the goals was to have like nice, genuine conversation, and I really liked where we were talking until I, I realized that we were make that I made a mistake. Um, so we're gonna go back to it. We were talking about stealing catalytic converters, believe it or not. Um, and you were working at Milwaukee because mm-hmm. that as okay. So the conversation went like this, and now it's even lamer. So I'm, I'm really sad that I screwed that up. So. Um, Talking about catalytic converters, Jack said you had would have an easy time because he worked at Milwaukee. You could just steal the tools. I, I could steal a good a good couple tools, you know, really and, get what I need. Yeah. So what was it like working at Milwaukee? Super fun. Um, you know, they're young, they're growing, so it's a lot about the employees rather than the product. I mean, they still care immensely about the product. They put out some of the greatest tools um, on the market, especially with them all being cordless. Um, do they but, make any corded tools now, or is it, is it all? You know, they occasionally have an idea for one, but I haven't heard of them putting out a, cord, a corded tool in a long time. So I don't believe so. I think they're fully, they had a pledge uh, maybe two years ago that they were just going to be fully 
cordless, battery-powered, reusable energy by 2030. Hmm. So I believe they're getting rid of it entirely. Hmm. So. Um, I can't remember. Yeah. Okay, so another thing that I know about you is you were involved in Greek life. And I, am. I don't really know. I, all I have is like stereotypes of what Greek like it. Greek life is. So what's your day-to-day in Greek life look like? Just, just out of curiosity. Sure. So I'm in Kappa Delta Psi. We're the copper roof behind WADS. Mm. So not the, the box right next to public safety and not the crazy guys a little bit further up the hill. Who's the crazy guys? Theta Tau. Okay. There's some crazy people there. They're yeah. fun. They're nice guys. But um, no, we're the copper roof. Our house is pretty old. It looks cool. Um, but so right now I don't hold any position in the house. I'm one of the older guys. I just kind of help out and advise. Um, but day to day, we don't do, we don't really do much. It's not like it's constantly partying every single day, going out, drinking all the time. Um, it's a lot, especially nowadays, it's a lot of just hang out with the guys. So day to day, I don't do a whole lot, but on the weekends, it's usually, um, you know, well, at least last weekend we did our retreat. So we just spent the weekend in the house with all the guys, um, cooked some food with each other and just hung out and actually got to know each other a little bit better. So there's not a whole lot that we do. Um, I know some of the stereotypes are always like, oh, they go to the bar every day, they um, drink and do drugs and party. And, you know, in reality, we're a lot more tame. I've heard at least for our frat that we are the uh, sort of, relaxed not fratty frat Mm. so that could be a different story for other fraternities but at least for us it's just we're chill is it is there any culture of like pranks like big time oh my gosh big time the best prank that i think i've seen go through the house was flipping people's furniture so anytime that you left the house you needed to lock your your room door because if you left and you unlock, kept it unlocked, your furniture was going to be upside down. It was okay, a guarantee. just like flipped. Just so not flipped. like glued to the ceiling, not like that. No, one. nothing okay. glued to the ceiling, but yeah. every single item was flipped and partic- like neatly flipped. It wasn't like we just threw it everywhere. It was, everything was in the exact same position, but, per- but perfectly over. flipped over. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. A lot of people got really angry about it, but it was so funny. I, see, I, I love like... I love those pranks that they're infuriating, but they're not like super damaging or like right. like they're easy to to recreate or to correct. Like, um, so the kids that I I went to undergrad with that were on our formula team. I wasn't part of a frat, but it was still like my big cluster of like sure. folks that we hung out with. Um, uh, we had a little bit of a culture of pranking, and I probably was the biggest offender of like pranks. Um, and I I, I did some. Really, really mean ones too but um uh it was really funny because you know i I would i got a whole bunch of them and uh fast forward to like several well not several years like a year after i graduated i got married um and they so it was about like eight or nine of them or maybe ten of them and then one of their moms also showed up they all bought the same exact toaster, like the same <laughs> toaster from Walmart. And so I got like nine or 10 toasters, oh all the my same, gosh. which is funny mm-hmm. because I mean, like all, all I had to do 
was bring them all back to Walmart and like Return do an exchange. Them. And, and right. so it was basically they were giving me cash, but in the crappiest currency form ever. Right. And uh, I just remember like the 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 biggest person that was affected by the prank was like the pissed off person that was working at Walmart. They had to like parse all of them. <laughs> Ten toasters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, because kids aren't on Facebook anymore, right? That's the thing. Like nobody's on Facebook. Not really. I'm, so I'm on Facebook. And actually I know a lot of the, at least a lot of my close friends are on Facebook solely for Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. Just to find cool deals around town. Yeah. It's, it's like eclipsed, uh, like Craigslist kind of. It's yeah. like. A little bit more monitored. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's just less janky. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we, we had a, like a lot of like Facebook pranks, and like the one that I was like the most proud of was uh, you uh, you go in and alter their birthday to be tomorrow, and so because uh, a lot of kids wouldn't bring their laptops back in those days, and they just use lab computers, and they'd leave their Facebook on, and so you'd go through if they left their Facebook on, you change their birthday tomorrow and a bunch of people that don't know when their birthday is they would see a little notification hey it's your birthday you'd be like oh "Oh, happy birthday and so you'd wake up in the morning and be like what is going on on? yeah i can't tell these people it's not my birthday yeah and it was like there was this challenge where if you if if you change your birthday more than two times facebook won't let you change it like ever again so like if it gets locked again yeah that'd be so funny it's locked on the wrong day so you're engaged you told me that i am uh, got engaged in August of this year. That's exciting. Yeah. I've been uh, with my fiance Rose, for close to five years now. This month will be five years. We, so. Did you guys meet in college? Were you high school sweethearts? Or? High school sweethearts. Uh, we worked Super together cool. at a ski shop downstate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was trying to talk to her for probably about two or three years before she started to remember my name and my mm-hmm. face. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we started dating in high school, my junior year, her senior year. She's a year older than I am, and uh, it's gone really well since it, then. Is she up at tech, or is it a distance relationship? Distance relationship. Oh, man. So, yeah, so, a little brutal. But. Well, can you elaborate on the brutalness? Sure. Um, you know, so she went to Ohio State. She studied uh, animal sciences there, and she's going for her vet degree. So she's got to go to vet school a little bit longer. Um, but long distance, honestly, is, I would never wish it on anyone. It is truly terrible. Yeah. And so many, so many people at tech are like big time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's a lot of people view it as like, oh, you just are on the phone all the time. You're never really going out. And it makes your life really difficult because you want to have friends in person as well as be friends with your significant other. And you know. I found, thankfully, Rose is a wonderful person and truly, I hope, loves me and loves being with me. Hmm. Um, so it wasn't very difficult, but it was just brutally tiring, tiresome. I mean, most of the time, I'm spending my day thinking about what, oh, Rose would have really enjoyed this, or oh, it would have yeah. been really nice to grab pizza or uh, coffee with her here. And, you know, I see her once a semester twice a semester if i'm lucky Mm. so it wasn't it wasn't easy um summers were pretty much my time with her uh she would always thankfully find an internship around me wherever i was so So somewhere up here 
No, so oh. she. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because at Milwaukee, so she yeah. found she worked at the Milwaukee Zoo Zoo for an internship, which she loved. She thought it was crazy, but I also thought it was crazy. She told me stories of her going to pet grizzly bears and stuff. Yeah. And that seems like a terrible idea. But um, we would. She lived with me in Milwaukee, and then um, I was at Western Digital uh, last spring for a co-op, and she came out and spent a good, decent amount of time in uh, Rochester, Minnesota with me as the, there as well. So she makes it work. She is a very, very hardworking woman and makes it a lot easier for me. Do you guys like FaceTime like every night kind of? Yeah, yeah, we try to, we have almost like a nighttime ritual where it's like call and tell each other about our day and, you know, spend at least half an hour with each other. Mm. truly on the phone with each other. We're not really doing much else. So mm. we're texting throughout the day and I'll call her occasionally throughout the day, but she works a very strange schedule right now. She works at the Humane Society downstate. Mm. So she works 10 hour days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So oh, just a terrible schedule. Uh, yeah. I feel so bad for her. It's awful, yeah. but um, she gets lunches. And so like I'll call her on her lunch and she'll call me when she gets breaks. So yeah. What, uh, you have a good engagement story? So I like to tell it as I proposed to her in a parking lot uh-huh. and don't say anything else. Yeah. But I did propose, which sounds <laughs> terrible, <laughs> but yeah. I did propose to her uh, where we met. I brought her to the ski shop that we worked at. Oh, and nice. um, I have a little sticker on my phone that she got me of like the exact coordinates mm-hmm. that we met. And I brought her to the exact coordinates that we met. And, oh, that's super cool. You know, proposed to her there. She did not believe me at first. She's like, really? You're proposing to me? And I was like, yep, I do want to spend the rest of my life with you. Yeah. Um, but no, it was super nice. Um, she had no idea it was coming, so it was cool. Yeah, I, I was kind of lame. Like, I with, uh, with my wife, like, obviously when we were dating, I like... I didn't know who to talk to about, like, the fact I wanted to, like, propose to her. And so I, like, talked to her about, like, I want to, I want to, like, propose to you and all that stuff. And so I, I, there was, like, no secrecy behind it. But I, I had, like, a, I, like, did, like, a very small prank where I, like, bought my wife, Sarah, an an album. Like, it was, like, a, I think it was a Volby album or something along those lines. And I was at her parents' house and, like, got down on, like, my, you know, like one knee, and I like hand it to her, and she was like really pissed because <laughs> like she did not want to get engaged at her parents' house. But but we got engaged um, on Mackinac Island. You ever, you ever been to Mackinac? Oh, Island? nice! That's yeah. awesome. I have been to Mackinac. Yeah, we we both kind of liked the place, um, you know, because we both like, like riding bikes and all that. And and so we had like a three day out thing, you know, that we we, we were staying like a bed and breakfast, and uh, and. The the funniest thing about that story was like we we started off the very first day we got on our bikes and we were gonna uh, do a round around the island you know sure and uh, and I was like oh look at this this beach is named it has a sign let's just do it right here right at the very start of our trip here so we can talk the whole rest of the time about the wedding and um, and so I engaged she said I engaged I I, I, I proposed <laughs> we got engaged. Um, uh, she said yes, super cool. We hung out there for a while, and then afterwards, I was like, "And look, we can always find the spot again because there's a sign." Like I thought it was naming the beach, and it really says is like 
bathroom three miles. <laughs> no, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, oh, that's whatever. I mean, even if they take the sign down, they're probably not getting rid of the bathroom. So <laughs> it we can will be closed. Three miles away from there, we can find right. it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's killer. Yeah. Um, so, another thing I know about you is Dungeons and Dragons. Big time. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it's an easy way for me to connect with students because I've, I've done just like informal surveys and it seems like almost like 30 to 40% of students play D&D on campus, which I oh, guess yeah. Michigan Tech is kind of a nerdy place and so it's not that big of a surprise. But, sure. Um, tell me about your relationship with D&D. Like why is it important to you? Sure. So, you know, D&D obviously starts differently for a lot of people. I started playing in high school. Uh, a buddy of mine, so in high school, I did not go to the local high school. Um, I got a scholarship to go to the uh, Catholic high school nearby. So mm -hmm. I went there for high school, and I still wanted to connect with my, or like still be friends with my friends that I grew up with um, in my community. So a buddy of mine texted me one day and was like, oh, we're going to start a D&D &D game. Have you ever played? And I had never played, and I was still wanting to hang out with them. So, of course, I went to go play. And first game I had, or first time I had ever played D&D, &D, we just did a little one-shot. Um, you know, pretty much it was just a undead pirate crew that um, started attacking our boat. And it was just fight off the undead pirate crew, make it to uh, an island, and solve a puzzle for the gold inside of the yeah. uh, treasure cove. And so... It was kind of a weird introduction to D&D because &D we didn't do a lot of the NPC talking mm -hmm. or really uh, city building or anything. It was mainly the mechanics. Exactly. Just yeah. how to fight and how to do puzzles and how to engage um, in combat and all that. And it was super fun. I, you know, I give a lot of credit to my buddy who designed the uh, encounter and, you know, planned everything for it and got us all together because... I know it probably wasn't very easy, hmm. um, but I played a druid dragonborn and just transformed into a bear over and over and mm -hmm. just started killing a bunch of skeletons. It was you're, super fun. You were a big meat shield. Big meat shield. He yeah. did not realize, my DM at the time did not realize how tanky druids were. Yeah, yeah. And he was For like, sure. I'm going to homebrew deeds, yeah. druids after this. Yeah. So it was very funny, but it was a lot of fun. So uh, what, uh, what advice do you have? for people that might want to get started in D&D that have Go for it. Truly just, if you want to play D&D, so like right now I'm a DM, and the people that I DM for, none of them have ever played D&D before. I just wanted to play D&D and was like, hey, I'll, I'll DM a game. Does anybody want to play? And it's all, it's nine other frat guys. So That's a big group. It's a huge group. And I've never DM'd before. I've only, only ever played. So it was literally, I watched two YouTube videos and then watched or listened to Dimension 20. I don't know. Have you ever the heard podcast? of them? Yeah. Podcast of D&D &D with, um, oh, shoot. Now I'm forgetting his name. Um, I can't remember his name, but I also listened to Critical Role yeah. with Matt Mercer. Yeah, I I have, I can't remember. I think it's like called the Matt Mercer effect or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that can be like a slippery slope because, um, people will listen to like some of those like really professional podcasts. Oh yeah. And then they'll expect that to be their D&D &D experience. And it's nothing like it. Yeah. Um, and so 
Yeah, so if, if you're if you're starting out, I kind of think like temper your expectations, especially if you know like the other people are starting out. Oh yeah. I think like my other like starting advice that I give to almost everybody is like a lot of people are like skittish about like the role play part and like dive not not few. Oh no, no. I'm saying dive oh. into it. It's oh. Well, some people just have a hard time diving into it or they can't like put this like new personality in their mind. Sure. And so like I always just tell people like steal ideas. Like, oh, like yeah. pick pick up pick a character that's like your character, like, oh I'm a monk that's like Obi Wan Kenobi or something along those lines. And, just and then act you, like him. And then you just say like, you know, what would Obi Wan Kenobi do? Right. Yeah. No, that's you know, it's funny you say that. All of the so I especially with my um game that I'm running right now I don't I go I dive right into it like I will get a voice for everybody I'll do different accents different uh, tones different um, ways they speak I'll either slow down my speech or speed it up and the at least for the guys I play with that makes it so much easier for them to get into character and just kind of goof around and we do it in uh, at, at our fraternity, we have a library that has a big steel door. Mm-hmm. So we close the steel door. We kind of just say, this is our time. The, mm-hmm. What happens here, we're not going to make fun of each other for. We're going to like get into it. What's your, uh, what's your favorite voice to do? So my I the way I run this campaign right now is they have, since they're all new, I was like, oh, I should probably have someone that sort of mentors them. Mm-hmm. And so the guild master... Uh, his name's commonly recurring character exactly Um, pretty much someone that they go to whenever they have troubles Uh, his name's Wheat Dimclaw he's a Owland druid and he has sort of a regal voice almost like he's uh, noble and sort of a little bit slower so I just do like a Yes, it seems that uh, you are failing your class or something like that. And Does he have some wine? Yes, exactly. exactly. He's holding a book or has yeah. a glass of wine. Um, yeah. But, you know, the guys really enjoy it. And I've gotten comments multiple times from people that are like, I really enjoy when you make this voice. Or I liked that yeah. this guy was the only way we could really tell because they've had encounters where it's fully dark and they don't yeah. know who's talking to them. Yeah. And so you can tell that someone's different uh, by my voices. Yeah. And so they've really enjoyed that and they've really liked the fact that I get into it as well as they do. Yeah. Makes my, it a little bit easier. My, my favorite voice, I had this um, character that I played a while ago. His name was Dominic Bouldergrant. He was a, he was a dwarf. And so nice. he had like the very like stereotypical like, oh, great. <laughs> like, you know, that voice. Nice, nice. I, I love doing that voice. That's um, killer. And, uh, <laughs> and so he... He he was like hard of hearing too, and so he was always like, "What?" Like you know, when, <laughs> yelling at people. And and so it's funny because like it's became like a meme in my friend circle where like if you don't hear somebody, you'll go like, "What?" Um, Scream in Dominic's voice. Yeah, so that that's that's, a, awesome. that's a good feeling. That's awesome. Are you running any games right now or playing? Yeah, so I'm I'm running one game right now. Um, and so it's called the Search for Eladon, and it's all like a homebrew world. Nice. Um, and it's a, uh, I, I, I bit into this idea of, uh, of like time travel related stuff. Oh, nice. And so, and so it's created all these complexities of like, how do I handle this? Right. And they might listen to this. And so I don't want to like give too much away. Um, but, uh, it's been kind of fun, uh, 
like like for example, some that's already happened is they came upon they had to early on in the adventure, um, they had to go to this graveyard and find get the dirt from the oldest grave mm. um, in like the graveyard, and it turned out to be one of them. Like it was their grave. Wow. Okay. It, yeah, and so so what that implies is at some point they're in the past. And, and they, they die. die. Yeah. Wow. And so that's that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it, it's a, but so I I uh, so um, for those of you that don't know, dungeon masters they usually have to do a lot of preparation beforehand, where they like figure out what's going to happen and all these different possible things you know that could happen. And uh, my style is I just I like leave like these like threads that i can like connect back to later yep and that was like a thread that i like left and now like we're kind of approaching like the end of the campaign and i'm like shit how am i going to reconnect back to that thread <laughs> how do we get Cause, there because they all like it was like a thing that they all remember and it's like oh oh shit how do we get there yeah oh, so that's funny yeah um back to like the frat thing sure do you guys ever like cry in front of each other? Like, is is there that level of connection, or what's that like? Because I know you talked about like the judgment-free zone of like the D and D era. Sure. Do you also have that like in other capacities, or? So it's uh, it's funny you say that. Um, so I think I said it earlier. We had retreat last week, or this literally two days ago. Um, and so for a while, when I joined the organization, we did not have retreat. We just would, you know, throw parties or just hang out. There wasn't really many events. And we started to get a little bit bigger. When I joined, we had 16 members. So, and now we have 34. So mm. we've gotten a whole lot bigger. Nice. Um, but uh, about two years ago, um, the house was really kind of at each other's throats and really annoyed with each other. It would, it's kind of the end of COVID, so you know, we were still dealing with COVID, still dealing with um, masks and people getting sick. And, you know, when you have 15 people living in a house, it's really difficult. Um, so, especially with some of them having significant others and, you know, wanting others having different beliefs. So it was getting really difficult. And I sat down with our president at the time and was like, listen, everybody's going to kill each other. I'm going to plan a retreat and we're all going to be there everyone has to be there and I've done retreats in the past and I've run retreats in the past and so um, I planned this elaborate retreat with no one having a phone and everybody just spending time together no one knowing what's going to happen and no one knowing how long they're going to be there kind of and I changed all the clocks I put uh, trash bags over every window so they had no idea what time it was what day it was when they were going to be done and what they were doing next uh -huh. and it quickly became the entire frat kind of banding together against me to try and figure <laughs> out what their, where their phones were, what time yeah. it was. They were just trying to figure anything they could out. And, um, you know, I planned in events that would kind of get them to be more emotional and mm. get to know each other better. And so at the time, we did not cry in front of each other. No, it was... If you cried in front of us, it was like, this is you too uncomfortable. Fun of them. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. And then retreat happened, and I cried in front of them first. And it kind of fully broke everyone down. I mean, really? at the time, I had some pretty bad heart problems. Um, doctors pretty much said that I 
could die at any moment. Oh, man. So I was in a bad spot. Yeah. And, you know, I cried in front of them and it broke them down. The whole room was sobbing. It was killer. And now everybody's very, very open. Everybody, I mean, even new guys that show up realize. Kind of get the vibe. Yeah, yeah. We care about each other. And it's, it's really nice. It's a whole lot better than it used to be. So it's nice. We do retreat every semester now. So kind of stuck with them. And yeah, I would say nowadays it's, I wouldn't say frequent. I mean, they're still dudes. They're, they yeah. still have trouble crying, but they're yeah. much more open to crying in front yeah. of each other. So, Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's, I feel like having someone that you can cry in, in front of, like easily accessible is like, it's an huge. Impor- it's an important thing that oh, like yeah. too many people think like, oh, I don't need that. But it's like, right. it's really <laughs> You useful. need it. Yeah. yeah. Especially just someone to, even if you don't want to cry in front of them, just someone to hug. Yeah. If you just get a hug and take a couple breaths, it's huge. They say, uh, I read this book that was saying like a 20-second a hug can be like, you know, can change your day. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I try and give my wife a 20-second hug every day because of that. It's just like, <laughs> it makes yeah. your day better. Yeah. Um, now I got to pry. Go for it. The heart stuff. Can yeah. You, can you tell me about that? Like. Sure. So uh, for a while, I was... Um, pretty much like my sophomore year, I was getting weird heart pain, um, just randomly. And it was, it wasn't like it, it I couldn't tell what it was related to. So, you know, the engineer in me was just like, oh, I'm going to find the cause of this. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't ever find the cause. And so I went to the doctor and they said it was stress. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really get stressed out very often. You know, I, I didn't feel stressed at the time. So I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I'll just try and limit my stress. So I, reeled back from some of my activities and kind of just focused on myself a little bit and the pain didn't go away. And so I went to another doctor. They said that it was stress and I went to a third doctor and that doctor said it could be, um, it could have been blood clots. Mm. That like my legs might be producing blood clots. Oh. Which if one passed through my heart would have killed me. Yeah. So um, when I talked to that guy, I was like, oh, Oh my God, like this, yeah. I could die from this. Yeah. And um, after or before talking to him, I had a couple instances where I kind of just had uh, weird. I mean, I had, I've always had an arrhythmia, so I thought maybe that could have been it. And I had a couple instances where I just, my heart really skipped a beat and I passed out. Oh man. So um, I had three instances of that over the summer. And that, like, that was after my. Um, initial heart pain. So all yeah. that combined into one was like, okay, I'm pretty unhealthy right now. Something's yeah. going on. And so I went to a couple doctors and pretty much what it boiled down to was I was so stressed out. I didn't know I was stressed out. Mm. And so I was borderline in like this constant panic attack yeah. and didn't know, I didn't even know I was stressed. And so it took a lot of time of just like limiting myself from everything. I had to cut back from hanging out. I had to cut back from, um, you know, spending time with friends that I, that I used to spend all my day with. Mm. Um, spent less time at the frat, spent less time uh, de- going to school even, just pretty much cut back on everything. And over time, my co-op helped a lot with that, but over time it kind of just started to fix itself. And so now I don't get the heart pains anymore. I still have the arrhythmia, which I think I've always had. We just didn't notice yeah. it. And my heart's doing a whole lot better. The doctors say I'm not really at risk anymore. But it was 
it was bad for a little bit. Dang. So, yeah. so what what were like I know you kind of touched on it, but what were some of the biggest uh what were some of the biggest stressors like So school was definitely the biggest. Um I've always been a little bit not I'm definitely not a perfectionist, but I always strive to do well in school and I was struggling with school at the time. So that was probably my biggest stressor. Um social friendships was kind of the second stressor. That in what just, way? Just like making sure that I kept up with everybody. Yeah. I, I really like talking to people and I, I know a lot of people. And at the time I was an RA, so I couldn't really, I couldn't go out. I couldn't, because RAs are, view, like you're not allowed to go drinking with students and that yeah. type of stuff. So I couldn't go out. I couldn't uh, go to like uh, Greek parties or anything. So it was literally, I was almost cutting out a big group of my friends um, from like my weekends Mm -hmm. and that really put a heavy toll on my heart and then also not being around my now fiance you know I was a little bit stressed out this was not early in our relationship but during a time that I was like all right if we can make it through this then like we're set but -hmm. at the same time it was a little rocky and so just the combination of all three was really stressing me out and I found out that I do actually have anxiety as well Mm -hmm. so I didn't even know I had anxiety. So the three of those, as well as the anxiety, all stacked on top of each other was enough that I didn't even know I was, like, that I was anxious. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's like, I mean, uh, that's one of the things I wanted to, like, peel back in this podcast is, like, uh, from the professor's standpoint, it's like so many students are just things, like, in the attendance line. You know what I'm saying? yeah. And, and so, uh, it's so easy to just be like, oh, it's, it's, it's easy to make this requirement or easy for me to not like really gauge difficulties in my exams or things like that and just make it whatever it is. And it's like, this is expectation. But like, sure. I think, I think like more and more it's important to take in that factor. Like, like it's not just you, it's every single person in, in that classroom that's dealing with something right. along those lines. Mm. Not, it- Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say it's but, tough. It's it's hard to figure out. Yeah, it's it's like um, I, it, all you made me think of, well, you made me think of a couple of things, but one of the things that you really made me think of was I had this friend in undergrad whose brother had like leg pain, like kind of this persistent leg pain, mm-hmm. and it turns out like their largest vein in their left leg was entirely clotted. Like the entire thing oh was a cut, and so he had to like cut like the whole length of his leg open and like and remove the pull vein. out a bunch of cl- chunky bo- or chunky blood. I think it was the whole vein that they removed. Oh jeez. Yeah, and they had to do some grafting or whatever. Yeah, and so That's it's scary. Yeah, it's like uh, I feel like the older I get, the more stories I hear about like things that can go wrong with your body, and the more I'm like terrified. Like oh yeah, that thing's gonna happen to me. Yeah. You know, the saying ignorance is bliss truly exactly, is Exactly, yeah. I'd rather not bliss. know about bad body problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. The, the less I know, the better. And my fiance's parents are doctors, so I know too much now. Oh, God. And it's like, I didn't want to know that. I didn't want to know that I could one day just drop and have yeah. zero clue what happened. Yeah, like a brain aneurysm. It's terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, I had a professor in undergrad that had a brain aneurysm in her office and died. Just Instantly. Just gone. Yeah. Zero clue what happened. You're just dead. It's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Nothing you even did wrong either. Or you, you, you could be fully healthy and just randomly. So now to completely change the topic, how many grapes do you think you can fit in your mouth? 
grapes in my mouth. I've actually tried this. What uh, <laughs> what color grapes are we going? White are, grapes or uh, purple grapes? Oh, purple grapes. Purple grapes. Yeah. And are we going um, Japanese grapes or are we going American grapes? Oh God, I did you. I gave you a little pre-interview, and you should have told me how much you knew about grapes <laughs> because I did not know you were going to know this much. We're talking about Japanese grapes, I guess. Japanese grapes are big. Are so, they? Oh yeah, oh, they're they're uh, very expensive too. Um, okay. Most Japanese fruit is very expensive, um, but Japanese grapes are a little bit bigger. They are, I would say, probably the size of close to the size of a ping pong ball, and I would say I could probably fit four in my mouth. Okay, so what about like the more common? American grape? The American, see, I don't know the names of any of them, so I'm <laughs> okay. just going by culture and yeah. location. Yeah. Um, the American grapes, I fit, when I did it, 13 in my mouth. 13? 13. Okay. Which is a pretty, a pretty good, good number. number. I yeah. feel like it was pretty good. You know? <laughs> I don't know, I don't have yeah. a scale, sadly. But. It's a, you know, I brought this up in a class a while ago, and I was surprised how many students know this number yep. like it's like a thing that people know it's like oh why I mean, don't i know my number you gotta try you got a big bag yeah, of grapes yeah. i mean how many can i fit in my mouth yeah i think i have to try them it's funny i think uh i think it's a really funny activity especially with other people because yeah. then you start laughing and then it makes yeah. it way harder <laughs> like the all fall out. Yeah. yeah that's an excellent thing yeah if you could ask Every professor, like at the start of class, you could ask them one question and they were completely open and honest with you. And I'll give you the, the opportunity that I might do that too. But what, what question would you ask? Hmm. If you think you'd get the biggest <clears throat> bang for your buck? I think a lot of people would ask about exams uh, okay. or grading, not even grading scales, but they'd ask like um, maybe where you keep your exams. Um, <laughs> yeah. Going on a little Grand Theft Auto or a little adventure but um i think i'd probably ask i don't know that's a good question i you know i like to learn things for myself and i like to figure it out um and i'm i do that best with other people so i would probably ask who your best student was the previous mm. semester and if they're still on campus, I try and befriend them and work with them to help me learn the class better. Yeah. Because um, it'd probably be your best slash nicest student that did well in the class. Just to um, get some like sage advice type yeah, stuff. Just yeah, just to, you know, have someone that I could shoot questions at that knows the, the material and would know other than the professor, you know. Like I can shoot questions at you, you, I mean, especially with your office hours, you're very open yeah. to answering questions. But I don't know. I think I just learn better from other students, people around my age that I can sit with in the library and just throw ideas at to try and figure things out. There's lots of studies that show, like, you learn best when you're learning from your peers. And so I, I, know, I, know, I know it sucks, like... It always seems like this corny thing, and I'm like, all right, turn to your neighbor and talk to each other, and it's like, oh, God. I don't want to talk to but, people. But, but there's, like, there's actually, like, a value. There's a reason why we do that, because, like, if you're like, I have no clue, then you, at least you, like, feel like you're together in right. this. Um, yeah, I, I think, like, it, and it's, it's a hard thing to do, but I wish that I f could find ways to have, like, the whole class talk together more, because sure. it, it's easy, like... At least my mentality was when I was in class is like if I were to ask if the professor were to ask a question and one student raised their hand and know the answer, you'd be like, "Crap!" Like <laughs> someone knows well, this. What's well, like 
it's almost easy to think like the whole class knows the answer and I'm the only right. one that doesn't. But right. really, it's it really is just one that person, one person knew it. Right. Yeah, and so I think like having this this perspective of like where everyone's at and like talking about you know what's I don't know. I wish there was a way to have that better communication channel. But the thing is, is no one wants to like use like canvas discussions or anything like that. They're right. kind of lame. So you know, I think it's also pretty tough i so my roommates currently um they make fun of me for it but i say socializing is easy mm -hmm. um and it's a skill that you have to train mm -hmm. and they make fun of me for it because i am a very social person but they're like oh you j you just know how to talk to people yeah. and in reality it's you have to attempt to talk to people yeah. to learn how to talk to people and i feel very bad for people that have trouble with that because like yeah. it's really fun to talk to people and you meet some cool people just you would never be able to do it unless you reach out first yeah and i've noticed a lot uh throughout my th this is now my fourth year here but throughout my years here that like there's some really cool people that are really fun to talk to that just don't like starting conversations yes uh I have, I have, we have to trade hats all right that's, that's, a, that's a good idea right now. i like that yeah. idea all right. Looks good um, on you. Yeah, it's a uh, for for those of you that are only listening through audio. He's got this weird rimless hat. I don't know. It's not a stocking it the, cap. I call it the Yankee with no brim with no Yankee. Have you seen that video before? <laughs> no. Oh my no. gosh! There's just this stupid meme of this guy that uh, is wearing a Yankees hat, but he okay. cut the brim off of that, oh, and you God. can see where he cut the cut brim it, off yeah, of that. It's all rough. And some guy walks up and it just starts yelling at him. He's got the Yankee with no brim. And so I've got the Yankee with no brim with or no Yankee. Or Yankee, yeah. yeah. So. Cool. That looks matches the sweater too. The one you I'm, got. I'm, it's nice. Yeah. I so like anyways, back to the idea of having conversations. Sure. It's really goofy. Like I, I talk a lot too. Like mm -hmm. I, I talk like way too much. Um, but like my, my wife tells me that I can't live in silence. Like even even like if I'm just like in the kitchen alone, I'll be like, I do this really weird thing. Like, if if I were to put these cameras in my house, you guys would be surprised by some of like the weirdest stuff I do. But like, I walk around. Like, if I if I have to reach up for something, I'll go like, <laughs> and I'll like get it down. And it's a uh, yeah. Anyway, so my wife tells me I can't live in silence, and that's 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 probably an astute observation because like, even if I'm on the elevator. Like with this person I've never met, I'm like, I need to talk to this person. Like, oh yeah, it's really Same. weird. I'm not talking. Yep. And so I'll like ask like a question. I'll be like, Hey, how good are you at golf? Or like something <laughs> like, and um, but it's pretty much every time I ask a question, someone will like light up because I just yeah. like ask them a question, and and yeah. So I think like my advice is just like ask stupid questions because. It's like, well, that's a weird question, but then it like I want to answer that. Yeah, and then it just kind of like um, organically grows from there. Yeah, yeah. it's nice. I, I I would agree. I usually um, I I usually find the quietest person in the room, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna talk to yeah. you, and you're gonna talk to me, and we're yeah. gonna have a fun conversation because I know you've got something funny. Yeah, and I'll always um, one good example from. Uh, at least for microcontrollers, his name's Chase. He's a very nice person. Um, and I sit next to him in lab. Insanely smart. One of the smartest people. He's so good at coding, it is unreal. And I've only talked to him a couple times. He's uh, 
I wouldn't say he's secluded at all, but he is just a little bit quieter. Um, very, very nice guy. And I would have never talked to him if I didn't just talk to at, him. Yeah, yeah, just talk to him in lab. Yeah. And I asked how he was doing in the lab and if he was already done. He's like, yeah, I finished it before I showed up. I was like, yeah. <laughs> how? I didn't even know what was going on. I'm terrible at coding and seeing. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I did it already. He's yeah. very impressive. So he's super nice, very nice guy. And he sits um, actually pretty close to where I sit uh, in microcontrollers. So. Mm. Is, he the, is he the kid that I was going to get in a foot race with? No. No. That's no. Tony. That's Tony. Tony sits right, on the yeah. right. That's yeah. to the the right of me. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's Tony. Okay. Uh, Chase, is, he's got black hair, and he likes wearing um, Chacos all the time. Wait, Chacos? Ch- is that what? That was a Chaco. The sandals um, that are from Marquette. I think those oh. are Chacos. I don't know what those are. I might are. be wrong. Okay. I'm One thing say, was like I'm a gonna... Chaco Taco. Have you ever heard of a Chaco Taco? I... <laughs> they discontinued them. <laughs> he just them. wears those only. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I think I would notice feet. if someone brought Choco Tacos to class. No, so I think Choco, I think it's Chacos. I could be wrong. Um, they're made in Marquette, and they're just like nice sandals. Oh, so. interesting. Is he, is he going to wear them? Is he still wearing them right now? I didn't check today, okay. but he was in class today. Okay, I think you should report out at the end of the semester how many, how many days he wears them. It's the every day. It might, he did wear them last week. Okay. So he might, I have to check. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be here the rest of the week. Hey, I'll make a bread check. What's the closest you ever came to dying? Besides for the heart stuff, is there like any other Ooh. like near death experiences you want to like disclose? Uh, I've gotten in a decently bad car accident. Uh-huh. What I probably wasn't very close to dying in that one. Um, so that's probably one spot. The other time was skiing. Mm. Um, I was. Because you used to be a, or you are a ski patroller. patroller. Yep. Nice. Uh, up at Ripley. Yeah. Um, I am currently a ski patroller, and this was part of the reason why I got into ski patrol. Um, but when I was younger, I was skiing, and have you skied before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I, you know how you like pole plant when you turn? Yeah. So I planted my pole in front of my ski. Oh, and you ran and, over it? And I ran over it and face planted. Instant concussion. Um, knocked myself out for a good two minutes and woke up and I don't remember anything from the rest of the day. Oh God. And I was told everything afterwards, but like I hit myself or I hit my head so hard that I was throwing up everywhere and like fully unable to walk. I like should have gone to the hospital, but I wasn't around ski patrol and no one knew what to do. So I just like sat in a room and make sure I made sure I didn't fall asleep. And so very easily could have gotten a brain bleed, could have, um, died and now that I'm in ski patrol it's like oh I should have died like yeah. that should have killed me but yeah I'd say that's probably my closest mm-hmm. to dying yeah it's uh, I I used to be like this really fearless downhill skier and I think like they say like around like 24 or 25 is like when your brain like fully finishes developing mm-hmm. and like the one of the last things is like your risk reward center and I think that's what happened to me because I'm like Dude, I could die so easily. Like, <laughs> this is not fun. I don't want to do this. Yeah, <laughs> and so I, I've kind of like maybe it's a telling of my age now, but I'm like I'd rather just cross country ski. But sure. that said, like uh, my daughter, like so she's three years old now, and once she's to the point where she can ski, I'm totally gonna get her in ski lessons because oh, yeah. the other thing is like I don't really have that many people to like downhill ski with. Like my my wife um didn't really take to it, um and she might pick it back up if my daughter picks it up, but sure. Um, but at least, like, if I'm, like, going slow with my daughter, I can, like, 
go slow myself and not right. feel so bad. But and be safe. But it's funny, like little kids like skiing, hundred percent fearless. Like oh my no god, what terrifying they're... as a yeah. ski patrol standpoint, yeah. terrifying. They just bomb the hill, straight <laughs> down, yeah. shooting down, and they will hit the ground and bounce and roll and pop be right fine. back up. Yep. they pop up and they're like, oh, that was fun, and continue <laughs> yeah. on. And you're like, yeah. I just watched you break both both arms, yeah, and yeah. they're fine. I think I think that's why like. That's why you gotta learn when you're a really young oh, kid. Yeah. Because when you're older, you're like, oh, your center of gravity is higher. You're and tense, you're like, everything's stressed out, yeah. and you fall, and it hurts way more, and it takes yeah. way longer to not hurt. Yeah. Oh, it's it is funny. I used to help out teaching young kids, um, and they every time I'd see them fall, and I was like, all right, I'm going to take you in, and they're like, no, 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 I'm I good. feel good. Like yeah. that was fun. Yeah. They prefer the falling almost. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. If your wife starts to pick up uh, skiing, do not teach her. Okay. Bring her to a professional? Yeah, bring her to a professional. Never teach a significant other. Okay. Terrible idea. Why why is that? Oh, my gosh. There's – I don't know what it is, but every single time that I know someone that's taught their significant other, other, um, at the end of the day, they are, like, at each other's throat, just hating each other for the day. Interesting. It's just – the hard part, especially if you don't know how to teach, and I would never say I'm a good ski teacher. I was good for kids because I'm patient and I enjoy just like dragging them around and, mm-hmm. you know, all right, follow me. And the kids are pretty good at just following the leader. Um, whereas adults, a lot of people will just say, oh, just do what I'm doing. And yeah. adults cannot do that. Yeah. It's not, they've got their own mindset, their own thought process. And nowadays, especially, uh, with intelligent people, if you tell someone to just follow me, they are going to ask every single detail yeah. of what you're doing. And then yeah. it's just going to be all up in their head and they can't do it. Yeah. So instructors, um, especially up here, if you uh, talk to Dan Deliquest, mm-hmm. unreal teacher. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. He is a little bit of a hard ass, but very fun to talk to, very mm-hmm. good teacher. So hmm. He teaches the advanced skiing class. Cool. Okay, I got one question. I think I got to go teach class at some point here in the next 10 minutes. But um, so my last question is what album, after listening to this podcast, what album should someone turn on and give a try? And and why should they give it a a shot? So most of the music I listen to is EPs or singles. Um, A lot of the bands I like are a little bit smaller. They don't produce big albums. so, uh, like RC Drive, if you've ever heard of them, mm-hmm. they're a fantastic what kind uh, of music. Indie. It's. Yeah. Um, I like things with real instruments. So, yeah. like gu- a lot of guitar in it, nice um, bass, and some good drums in the background is like killer for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I like RC Drive, the band. But if you were going to go for an album, it would probably be Mount Joy by Mount Joy, if you've heard of them Mm-mm. before. Fantastic. Also indie. Uh, more indie folk mm-hmm. kind of music. Um, I don't actually. Nah. I everybody that listens to this is going to be like, oh, he has no idea what he's listening to. But yeah. Mount Joy is like indie folk country all mixed together. But it's not like it's a country song. It's like yeah. just four people that like music that probably live in the woods <laughs> type of vibe. Yeah. So it's it's super nice. It's good music. Um, my for. Rose and I's wedding. It will be a one of our first dance song. Will be Mount oh, by nice. Mount Joy. So it was super cool. I danced 
Our first dance was to a Metallica song. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, that's awesome. It's it like when when we were in high school, like I I don't know if it was like this when you were in high school, but you have to pick a song. Like that's our song when in high school. Was sure. that was that the way it was for you? Or? Uh not no, really. No. We Rose and I have yeah. a song. That's yeah. our song, but yeah. it wasn't like a big push. That that that's that was something that well, at least when my wife and I were in high school, it was and. So our song was Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. And so nice. it's like the acoustic opening and all that. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so Mount Joy. Mount Joy by Mount Joy. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll have to give it a listen. It's a good one. So this is the end of episode two. Episode two. Yeah. Technically one, because we started Technically at zero. one, we started indexing at zero. That's yep. that's right. Yeah, we're, we're, at least I'm an electrical engineer here, so I've got to do that. So um, I suppose the thing to say to the listeners is, it's a new podcast. Give me all the feedback you can. We now have an email address. It's, yeah, it's, so it's a limo, L-I-M-O, at mtu.edu. Give us nice. all the feedback you want or any thoughts. Um, and also, uh, yeah, if you or any, uh, any, any of your friends might know somebody that'd be interested to sit in that really uncomfortable, is it, is, what do you think about the comfortability? It's decently comfortable. It's, uh, it's, it's a little unexpected. bit of a trap. Yeah, yeah. you kind of sit in it and then you sink really low unknowingly, but it's a nice chair. I like yeah. it. Anyways, if you can think of someone that might be, that you want to hear in that chair and me try to peel back the layers a little bit. Um, so the website to do it at is oberloier.com, oberloier.com slash limo. And yeah, so you, uh, there'll be a little, there'll be all of our other episodes and some other information about the podcast. And also you can, uh, thought of form and and let me know who i should talk to and why i should talk to him so all right thank you so much jack of course thank you for having me all right keep it real everybody